Hello, beautiful humans, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Spilling the Tea on Leadership. I'm your friend who is the life of the party, Jack. And I'm your friend who you wish stayed home, Derek. All right, Derek, what are we spilling the tea on today? Self-care. Yes, it is Pride Month, and we want to talk about taking care of ourselves and the idea of self-care and leadership. Yes, you know, just relaxing, forgetting all your responsibilities, right? (laughs) You know, but honestly, though, like, I I used to think that was, like, what... I I used to think that's what people were saying when they would say self-care, right? I thought it was this idea of, oh, doing... Um, something that you love, like, you know, taking, uh, well, I was going to say taking a bath, but hopefully, but hopefully people are bathing every day or every other day. I don't know. Pandemic changed my relationship with bathing. Yeah, Ooh, okay. My point is, is that I used to think it was things like, like the spa or, or, you know, e- eating dessert. And, but really like, that's just a small, tiny piece of what self-care means. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget about the routine that should be self-care because otherwise yes. it is just like this boiling of ourselves and then we get really sad when it's over um and self-care shouldn't be spontaneous always right like sure if you enjoy having that slice of cake have that slice of cake and call that self-care but if you enjoy getting a massage or taking a walk or whatnot do those things to bring the joy but sustain self-care by keeping organized because you know you're an organized person or following a TV show regularly to unwind at night because you know that's going to help you set up and fall asleep and get up positively the next day. I, I don't know, but something that is not just a one-time thing, but is an all-the-time uh, part of who you are and how you exist. I think you're touching on something really important because I have found that for self-care to be some, to be a priority, it has to be something that you... Um, do have some structure in, right? That you do make a part of your, your schedule or even your, well, for me, my to-do list. (laughs) But, but like, I really think that's important because I need to make sure that taking care of myself is just as much, if not more so, really more so a priority than all those other things on the list. I agree. And I think something else that's important to remember is even if it is routine, It's individual as well. I think sometimes we get this templated, this is what self-care looks like, or, oh, somebody told me I need to do self-care. Let me Google real quick what that means. And then, of course, you get the, like, blanket statements, like, go to the spa, eat dessert, and the things we've already named. But it has to be really what is for you, like, what what means self-care and rejuvenation and recharging and all those things for you as a human. I know that for uh, there was a while in my life where I associated self-care with success. And I thought that like how I would take how effectively taking care of myself, what, like, what that looked like was, you know, w- winning things or um, like getting making more money, right? Like doing a part time job, like those those extra things to make more money. I thought that was like how you were supposed to take care of yourself. And that's you being a teacher saying I have to make more money doing something else. Wow, look, I never said I was smart. Uh, You know, we never, we did mention at the beginning that it is Pride Month. Hallelujah. Oh, I was like, are you going to do a tongue bob or? Do you think, like, we're both queer individuals. Do you think that, you know, as a queer person, like, in in workplace or in our personal lives, like, what do you think the role of self-care 
and being queer is? Or am I, like, blurring topics too much? Um, I think there's a, a portion of that that is self-care, right? The ability to be able to exist authentically as yourself is rejuvenating, right? It is energizing and helps you feel um, whole. If you can't exist in your authentic self, you're going to feel a little broken or hidden or like you you can't be you um, and that's never healthy. So I think being able to find spaces like uh, many spaces during Pride in particular to live your life in the fullest way possible is so important. And I think that's really what self-care is, right? Is finding those moments to live as fully as yourself as possible. Um, whether that be your queer identity uh, for us or just being able to live out something that you really enjoy and take moments for that intentionally. I don't actually think I know this about you, but have you ever worked in a space where you didn't feel comfortable being out? Um, I, I would say just generally any of my jobs growing up. I certainly felt a bit that way. You mean like before going to college? Is it- y- yes, yeah. So like in my hometown, I, just because that space inherently was like, ooh, should I come out? Should I not come out? Ooh, I'm still in good old Ohio. Um, but I sort of navigated that. Why, yeah, I know. why Ohio? Oh, why, oh, why did I ever leave Ohio? Okay, I'm so sorry, that was bad. I missed well, it. You know, studying lyrics is not part of his self-care routine. <laughs> it's fine. <clears throat> but, no, I, I think in those spaces I felt weird. And, of course, every new job, you have to fill that out, right? And I think in some spaces I've been like, yes, I am out, I am proud, I can be my whole self, um, including my current role. But... Other places, it's like, I'm out, but we're just not going to talk about it. So, when I think about being out, and one of the hardest spaces to navigate is teaching. So, you know, I know you struggled a lot being out your first few years of teaching. Yeah, I I came out my first year teaching, uh, and after a rather tumultuous journey with a few rabble-rousers, lots of, like, Gay slurs, and it was honestly, it was like, it was not an ideal situation. Um, And while I, like, worked in a school that did have other uh, adults, most of them, actually, I mean, most of the people at my school who are part of the queer community were not out to the students. I think there there might have been one other individual who was actually, like, open and out um, about their identity. And it made things really challenging, because even that individual was literally a different grade, and at the time, they were, like, on a different whole section of the school. So... All to say that just, like, it, it felt kind of very isolating, and I, I definitely did not have um, a ton of support, and not, not that I, like, went super out of my way to, like, flag it, because I also think there was this idea of, like, oh, like, I wanted to, like, make it seem like everything was fine, Some like, with my coworkers, right? I didn't want mm-hmm. them to feel like I was, you know, not finding success, because I think I was so concerned with, like, the perception of success in my role that I didn't want to like raise up the real challenge that was happening, which I think actually happens all the time within the queer community, within really a lot of marginalized identities is that it becomes, you feel you're worried that if you bring up the really real problems that you are facing, um, that somehow that's going to impact how other people view you as like a competent professional. Yeah. Well, as you reflect on that and you think about your journey being so tough, 
Do you feel like it would have been easier for you to just remain in the closet at work? Oh, I definitely... Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of moments that first year where I was like, girl, why am I doing this? Like, I should just lock that closet door right back up. Um, But, but like, just... This is just my narrative. And there are very real situations in which staying in the closet would make a lot more sense for educators. But, like, I... For me and my narrative, like, I... Comparing teaching out of the closet to, like, even the first month or two where I, like, tried to sort of be in... Teaching as an out educator... I feel so much more comfortable because um, even though there is the occasional pushback, um, I appreciate that I can bring my full self to, to, to my work. And I also think back to like my own just education experience as a student and I, in my K-12, I mean, actually, I'm like trying to think of college real quick, but um, I didn't have any out educators. None of my educators were out. That's not, I'm sure I mm-hmm. probably had a queer teacher, but just no one was out and so I think that, you know, it, it's where it is safe to do so. It's powerful to have educators be out and be able to bring their full selves into the work. Uh, and I think, you know, we think about our own self-care, but as educators, we often pass that forward. And being out does allow others to have that healing space, right? And allows them to engage in their own self-care and create healthy practices um, to feel whole. Yeah. I also think... I'm sorry, I'm, like, stuck in my head here about um, what I said about, like, competency and being, mm-hmm. like, afraid that, like, when you expose those those challenges you're facing that somehow, like, people will perceive you as less competent. Mm-hmm. I think that I tied so much of my happiness to, like, what my performance was. And so I was intertwining, like, my happiness with work. And I had to untangle that mess in order to find out, like, what was going to recharge me. Because I was... Con- I was putting all those things together into one massive blob. And so then when I was going through a challenge, right, at work, I wasn't able to find anything to recharge me or to take care of myself because I, like, so intertwined both my, like, work professional life. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it might be presumptuous, but I think over the past, like, year, year well, and a half. Away. And presume yeah. away. We're married, I feel like, at this point. <laughs> LOL. Well, no, but I'm saying just generally for everyone, over the past year and a half or so during this pandemic... It's been a challenge for everyone, regardless of identity or regardless of um, work situation, with us being remote or in a different scenario in regards to employment, it's caused us to have to intertwine life and work and all those pieces and really created some challenges for navigating self-care amidst that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in the middle of a personal pan pizza. I don't get out the labels changing does not make it any better (laughs) but like with pandemic i think that as as i've tried to untwine untwine no that's if you enter they're un well if they're intertwined oh yeah i think you're right it's probably just untangled lol okay anyway but but um where was i going with oh so since i tied so much of my work to like my personal um self-care in untangling those, the pandemic right forced that because it just totally changed what the work experience was. And I know early in the pandemic, like that's when you and I started our running journey. Mm-hmm. And while like I, I definitely struggled at the beginning, um, and I mean, really, I still am just like pretending to run. Uh, it became a thing that we did together. And that was so like powerful. And it was one of the first times that I was like, oh, like 
this is self-care, right? Like mm-hmm. spending this time together, like doing something that was good for our bodies. Like it felt, it felt so good. Yeah. And I think those who have pushed past to find those sustainable routines, right, during the pandemic have been able to access probably a deeper level of self-care um, in that regard. And if folks haven't gotten there, I challenge you, like, do it. Take a moment to reflect on what is one thing you can change to create something that's a routine for you and make it a priority. Because um, when you make it a priority, it, it does become something that's good for you and part of who you are and the best way. I, with that, like, when we would spend, I'll take, you know, like, the average Saturday, pre-pandemic, pre-personal pan pizza, pre-panorama, um, on a Saturday, like, if we had nothing to do, right, or if we didn't think we had anything to do, it was so easy to, like, open up the computer and, you know, do something casually for work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, with our running journey, you know, we would run 10 miles one direction, um, Meaning we would listen to One Direction. I'm t- for, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, we'd run 10 miles, like, right, like, up, up to Broderville. And then um, on our, like, walk back, we'd be able to, like, talk and, like, think, like, right, there was, it wasn't really possible to, to work. And so it, it really helped us to, you know, find our priorities and be able to talk through, like, what actually mattered to us. And ultimately, that made me way more productive. So, like, so that when I was... At work or when I did at that time, like, I was really making the most of the time that was work. Yeah. And uh, not only did it make us more productive, I think for me, it helped me identify and set boundaries and recognize, like, work does not have to consume me. It doesn't have to be my whole being. And I, I am allowed to have these moments where I'm fully unplugged, not thinking about it, and doing what is fulfilling my other buckets. Yeah, I, I'm also, like, um, oh, my mom's going to yell at me. You know how many times I just said the word like there in that little sentence? I'm going to get a text message about that. Um, no, but I, I think, too, like, when we talk about priorities and finding out, you know, what are the things that you're going to build into sustainable parts just of your life, of your routine, mm-hmm. um, I think back to, you know, you if you did a Google search right now and you were to, you know, I'm thinking of hot topics, so diets or finances – they would all include ways to make those sustainable in your life. Mm-hmm. And yet when you look up things about self-care, so much of it is like one and done activities. Mm-hmm. Oh, like try, like go to a yoga class as opposed to, you know, find a time each week, right? Like in, instead of making those things a part of your practice, it's, I, I found, at least in my pre-Googling for this episode, <laughs> um, that a lot of the stuff that was found for self-care were these really isolated events. Like get away, go on a vacation. I was like, well, but that's... That's such a short-term solution to like a very long-term, you know, you're going to hopefully live a while. <laughs> so to the long-term problem of taking care of yourself, that's a very short-sighted solution. Yeah, I almost wish there were more resources out there for just like the reflective process of developing a self-care routine. Um, because those are the quick fixes that people seek and assume will help them out. But it is so individualized. And so the more that we can reflect on what are our buckets that need filled and how can I do that? The more we can build out what is our self-care journey, what is our recharge, um, rebuild, and something that's going to make us a better, more full human in the end. Yeah, well, and when you look up those lists that exist, the things that are like, oh, start a routine in, in your life, 
um, to, to what you just said. They're like, okay, do these 48 things every day. Do these 10 things in the morning. Do these 10 things before you go to bed at night. And I feel like those things, are, those, aren't, those aren't sustainable because they don't take into account what your priorities are. They're just these very generic, to be a better person, do these 800 things. And so I think it's important to know what your priorities are. And so you can um, actually like build them into build them into your practices, like flossing for me. That was my big 2021. One of, one of my big 2021 goals was to set aside time twice a week that no matter what, I floss. That doesn't mean I only floss twice a week, like, but that just meant that no matter what, those two times a week, I, thought I put it on my to-do list. It was like, because it's something, I have not had the greatest dental hygiene. And so building that type was just like something that was super manageable that I could do. Because if I told my dentist, yeah, I'm going to floss every single day. Like, that's not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I wish I could. I just, that's not, it's never going to be me. Maybe though, maybe it will be one day. But I'm starting off with something that's more manageable, that is good for me, that's me taking care of myself, and that is a priority. And I think that is the other portion of self-care that is the, like, personal maintenance, right? The more that you take care of yourself, even if they're, like, the dreadful tasks for me of flossing, the more you do that, the better you're going to feel, the better you're going to operate, and then you're going to open up more space to be productive and create room to find joy. I just looked down at my notes. Did we, we, we talked about pride, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We did. We did that. We talked about, Oof. okay. Um, so sorry. Ah. Well, I was just thinking like the reasons I was, you know, I wanted to do this topic. I wanted to make sure we talked about pride and you know, it's, it's June, but I, sorry. Oh my gosh. Hey, did you see this? I'm getting, I'm, I don't want to get too off top. Well, this is connected. Um, did you see Naomi Osaka? Um, she made big headlines a few weeks ago. Well, it was almost like a month ago, but because she withdrew from the French Open because um, she was going to this tough place and, and the requirements of the tournament, you have to do a certain number of like press appearances and she felt like like it, it was better for her mental health. And so she didn't go to those. And so then they were going to have to find her like, I don't know, $15,000. And so she ended up pulling out for her mental health. Did you see that? Um, I didn't see it, but I did hear you talk about it with other people. Um, and when did I do that? While we were playing tennis. Oddly enough. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I but that. I didn't want to say anything. I like wrote it down. Racket. I like I wrote it like I was like this is like, oh this was something I wanted to bring up. I'm sorry. That's my bad. No, it's but. good. But I think it is super important because it does bring to light the fact that many people would see getting there as a success. And like that's the pinnacle. But what is involved with that is not everybody's success journey. Like, that's not what was going to help her feel fulfilled. So, yeah, take care of yourself. That means different things for different people, and it means different things for people from different identities, right? So taking care of yourself as a white cis man who's gay is different than taking care of yourself as a trans black woman who is navigating a lot of societal pressures and a lack of feeling safe, right? So taking care of yourself is so different, but so important. And it's part of like part of that work and always finding out what your priorities mm-hmm. and whether, you know, safety is obviously a lot of something I think a lot of us take for granted. But but ultimately really self care is about those decisions that you do every day for yourself. Every day. Every day. 
Every day I'm self-caring. I'm done. We have a song for everything, y'all. But if you're unsure of where to start with this whole self-care journey, just notice. Stop and notice. And take inventory. What are the things you're doing during a week? And then figure out which of those things are bringing you joy. Which of those things are helping you to feel like you have a routine of taking care of your literal health and sleep habits and things of that nature. And what's not? What is, what's the candy bar that's going to make you feel like crap in the morning that you should cut out because it's not actually self-care? And what are the things that you're doing um, that are just toxic and draining uh, altogether, regardless of whether they're joyous in the moment or not? Yeah, you got to stay true to yourself. I mean, I think... I, I think that a lot of people make a lot of assumptions about like what self-care might look like for me because they see me going, you know, 800 miles. And I don't think people realize that like I, I get lots of sleep. I play a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, well, I didn't need that. <laughs> yeah. But just like those are ways that I take care of myself. Like I will, you know, I'll play Age of Empires or I'll play Pokemon like because those are things that like help me to unwind. And I prioritize those things. Like I... Um, much to Derek's chagrin, I will occasionally be like, no, like I like have this time set aside because I want, like, I'm going to be online playing this game. And that is just, that's a part of like my self care. And so I think finding out what are those things for like for you that are going to help bring like joy into your life and, and are going to help, um, you take care of yourself. Running has been one that we both got to do together. Mm-hmm. Um, you more successfully than not me, <laughs> but, but both of us are doing it and we are training again for a new half marathon. So that'll be fun. And, and just finding those ways that you can like take care of yourself on a regular basis and not just a one and done situation. Yes. So you have to remember it is about you. It's pride. Beautiful. Be Hallelujah. yourself. Be yourself. And as always friends, Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you take some time to take care of yourselves. Once again, I'm Jack. And I'm Derek. And if you'd like to continue this conversation, check us out on our Facebook page, Spilling the Tea on Leadership. Or peruse our website, truthsonleadership.com. Until next time. Keep shining. And make good life choices.